Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Hey, listen, are you in a scenario or need to be developed in this context of finance, struggling in any way, any form um, in your life, or want to take your finances to the next level? Join me in this conversation where we're going to dive in to talk about this aspect of finance kind of going with these, the journey of someone that's in the financial piece of helping and developing men and men and women of how to be able to get where they are need to be financially. So if you want to be a part of this conversation, join in right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Focus on Greatness podcast. My name is Hiram, and on this platform, we are highlighting the ways that men can be able to experience greatness within their everyday lives. And today we're going to dive into another form of conversation that will help us to be able to guide and get to that place in our lives where we experience greatness financially. Uh, so today I brought on a special guest of mine that I believe is going to help give us the insight, give us those highlighted moments that will help us to experience those things called greatness in our financial realm. So do me a favor and welcome the one I call him the one and only my big brother, <laughs> Dr. Nate Dunlap. How you doing, sir? I am well. How are you? Can I'm you hear me? Great, sir. I can hear you fine and well. <laughs> yes, sir. So excited to have you on um, excited to have you to be a part of this conversation and um, do me a favor for this is not your first time on the platform, but I want to make sure that for those that do not know who you are, please introduce yourself to the people and uh, then we'll dive into our conversation on the night. Absolutely. Thank you uh, once again, Hiram, for another opportunity for, to be back on this, this wonderful podcast. You're doing great things. Um, I was born Nathaniel Dunlap Jr., I'm a product of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, have been around this, this whole thing of what we call possessions, resources, and finances, or PRF, um, going on 13 years now. And mm. we came into the, this space of dealing with finances because of pain and issues that we've seen um, in the church. And so, I'm, listen, I, there's a lot. I got a couple of degrees. You know, it's kind of hard every time somebody asks you to introduce yourself. Um, God has blessed me to have obtained a couple of degrees. Um, yes, one sir. is in theories and practices of conflict transformation, which really kind of sets the stage for why I do the work in the ministry in which I'm doing these days. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Well, let's do this uh, because one of the things that I, I shared with you that I wanted to do tonight um, is to kind of have a conversation because sometimes what I what I believe is that when we start to take the time to give people or go through our journey, um, there are some things that's in our journey that sometimes people can be able to see themselves in. And when I think sometimes surely as a man, sometimes we can feel like, you know, you know, hey man, no, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta keep putting on this, you know, per se facade to show that I got everything going on, you know, nothing's going wrong. Um, but sometimes what we're looking for is we're looking for that commonality in somebody else, another man, another person that we can be able to say and see, okay, I can see, I can see myself at that point of your journey. Um, so I can see how I can get to where I need to be or, or where I can be able to take my finances and my life to the next level. And so um, I want to kind of see if we can uh, take this from the top. How about that? We can kind of take it from the beginning. And uh, um, I want you to kind of take me back to um, take me back to Philadelphia. Take me back to uh, the young man before he became the doctor. And uh, before he gained some degrees. Oh, yeah, we're going to take you back a little bit tonight, sir. <laughs> because what again, what I want to learn is I want to learn the stages. And um, and I think that that's going to be that's going to be helpful to understand. So when when as a young man back in Philadelphia, were were you raised with the context or with the ideal of finance? 
Um, no. Um, what I was raised was that, that, yes, you have to work hard for the things that you want in life. Um, my mother, I saw her work hard all her life. Mm-hmm. And so um, going back to my street days of Philadelphia, I can remember there were some very difficult times that we had mm-hmm. um, between certain family situations like marriage and divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big one, right? Because when divorce occurs, it does a lot to disrupt the family unit, if you will. And yeah. so um, when that hit th- that part of my life, because before then things were good. I didn't have all of the toys in electronic games and the tabletop games as Michael DeShields had. Mm-hmm. Um, he had three, but I had one. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yes, I could play with his and we still be cool. Right. But when the divorce hit, that was when things kind of got interesting because mm-hmm. now there was a struggle. And, and as the struggle happened, you don't understand why you can't have certain things as a kid. You don't understand why the lights can't stay on. You don't understand why you have to carry a buggy down to the gas station with a can to get a couple of dollars worth of kerosene heat or mm. kerosene to, to put in a kerosene heater, right? You, you don't understand those type of things. So, wow. so it, it was rough for some period. A lot of people, I mean, you're asking about it, but a lot of people don't get that because they're not concerned about that, right? Yes, sir. Um, and, and, and what it did, watching my mom, watching, watching Rocky grow up, you know, me grow up with them in my life, mm-hmm. it allowed me to be able to see things from a different perspective that you got to work hard for what you want. However, you got to work at a place and be at a place where you got to do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. I started working and I think I was about 14 years old, if I can remember. Right. Wow. I was, I was working at Kmart on Roosevelt Ave before I was legally allowed to work because Rocky took me up there and was like, he need a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's some real real talk. And and it wasn't, I didn't want a job. Mm -hmm. It was, I wanted some things and the funds were not there, but what was being instilled in me was we're not going to give you everything. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the lesson. So I wanted money for this. I wanted money for that. I started working at 14, 15 years old. And it worked and instilled this work ethic that I have today mm. to be able to just grind, 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 but grinding with purpose. Yeah. Right. There was something that I always purchased with my paychecks, whether it was <laughs> not getting the free lunch and I get to buy the lunch. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but that was my choice. Yeah. Right? If I wanted a certain, if I, when those shell top Adidas was out, I wanted the shell top Adidas. So I had to pay for them because that was not what they were going to buy. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, and, and, and then as I started getting into the, the high school years even more, I started to realize that uh, life would be a little bit difficult in Philadelphia if I stayed. I, I was a good kid for the most part, um, never got in any law enforcement trouble. And I knew because of what was around me, because of the poverty, because of the crack, I knew for a fact that I had to leave Philadelphia if I wanted more than what I saw, because the reality is the things that we see frame and they shape how we approach life. Mm-hmm. And, and I promise you, if it wasn't for the military, the reality is I don't know what I would be doing right now. I probably right. would not be Dr. Dunn, right? I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be the father that I am right now. I probably wouldn't uh, have the, the understanding of, of diversity and culture if I didn't leave Philadelphia, not saying that everybody has to leave, but I had to do it. I probably wouldn't have the wealth that I have right now if I had stayed in Philadelphia because I didn't have the the the, the male factors around me other than, you know, a couple. But nobody was doing it the right way. Right. I'm talking right. about Right. So when I say nobody was doing it right, I'm not talking about Rocky. I'm not talking about my dad. I'm talking the cats that was around me that wasn't living in my household. They weren't doing it the right way. So right. I had to get into a place, and I know it was God's divine providence now, but I had to get into a place that was going to afford me those opportunities. And, and I'm thankful and grateful that I was able to make those type of choices and decisions. Well, this is, and this is um, just, even just listening to that portion of your story, um, I can see 
how it has been able to make the uh, make the changes within your life um, and kind of um, set you up to where we are at this point, you know, set you up at this where we are at this level in this place where now we can be able to now you're helping other people that was in the same situations or, you know, uh, dealing with the struggles or whatever they were dealing with, um, you're, you're able to now help them because of where you were. And so we're going to dive deep in that because I want people to kind of understand, even when we get into that part of it, understand the, the, uh, the string or the, or the lining that taps into your heart when you're able, when you see people struggling, surely in some sense, when you would think that they either, either shouldn't be struggling financially, um, where they should be in a different posture and a position financially, or, or is just the fact of, they just don't just know. Don't, that. Don't, 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 don't. Um, they so, have not been able to, you're good. They have not been able to, they just don't know the information or whatever they need to be able to get out from where they were or where they are in that, in that uh, specific area. Now, this is one of the things I wanted to ask. Now, when seeing what you saw as, you know, being raised the way you were, you were raised and the struggles that you went through and that you seen, even as a young child, um, you know, being being forced to work in some sense at the age of 14, um, all of those put you, I would say, in a in a certain posture. Yeah. It puts you in a certain posture. Um, um, the other day, and and this is this is no uh form of shade or um or anything for people that work at like fast food restaurants or things of that nature. I'm I'm just really just sharing the storyline because I think right. it goes the other day, about a couple of weeks ago, matter of fact, me and my boys, we were going to McDonald's. We pull up in the drive-thru like we normally do. Uh, pull up in the drive-thru, we we order our food and all of that. And so when we get to the window, um, you know, you go to the first window, you pay, then you get to your second window is when you pick up your food. But when we get to the second window, they have a sign on the window. Mm-hmm. And on the window, it says, we're hiring. It puts on there how much they're actually paying you per hour. They have the the uh, person that will be basically uh, cleaning up the plate. They have their their price per hour and they have the other person's price per hour. Mm. And I think it was like $12, $10, um, $12 an hour. And so my oldest son, Jawan, he looks at it and he says, dad, they're only going to make $12 an hour. Nobody can live off of that. Wow. And I, and, and again, I'm thinking, I'm looking at a nine-year-old boy that knows, that knows nothing about, (laughs) that knows nothing about the, the, how much bills are, know nothing about rent or in his mind, just looking at this paper of the $12 an hour, he Mm would, he recognized at that moment, I can't live off of that. Hmm. So in my mind, this, this, these type of conversations, even like what you're sharing, it shaped something that now is going to change the way that he looked at life, the way that he looks at working, the way he looks at finance from this moment on. So it gave me an opportunity to now let's talk about money. Let, you know, let me break this thing down. You know, let's take how, you know, and I, I took how many hours they are in school and I multiplied it by how much that person would make. And then I showed him how much you have on a monthly. Okay. And then I said, that's not all you're going to make, actually, because then the government got to get their money. So right. how much you actually getting is going to be less than that. It's, let's just estimate about almost $150, $200 less than what you are, than what you just work for. He's like, oh, nobody can live off that. <laughs> Gosh. And so thinking about even your storyline, you were set in a place in your life where you understood, okay, the only way this is going to work is I have to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is at the age of 14, understanding the only way I'm going to not have where I, I, I can't have it, I can't have the water or I can't have the lights. Like the only way I'm not going to have is I have to work. Mm-hmm. So work equals not being here. 
And then what I do with what I get helps me not to stay here. We, we just we breaking it down simple. I'm just I'm just trying to we're just trying to work this out, big bro. <laughs> Mm. Now, this is a 14-year-old. I'm just, we're talking to the 14-year-old Nate Dunlap. We're just talking to the 14-year-old Nate Dunlap that realized when he was pushed to go to work at 14, that this was going to help me not be there anymore. Mm -hmm. So now moving from a 14-year-old that now understands not only is this going to help me not be here, but but because now I'm looking and I'm seeing life different, I know me staying here is not going to help me get there either. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so your, your, your way of opportunity was the military. Yes. Okay. So talk to me about that transition. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's funny because I had the, I had the ability to go to college mm. and the ability to go to college, right? Not like scholarships, but I, I was a good enough student mm -hmm. that I made good enough grades. I was crushing it until I started smelling myself between sophomore and junior year. And, you know, but um, I still, my bringing seeds to the house. That was not something that Marianne was, was having. So at all, <laughs> I did almost enough. Right. But I got involved in, in air force junior ROTC. I went to Lincoln high school in Northeast Philly. Okay. And um, the reason I, I got into um, ROTC was because I, I started, I had like a D in biology in like the first three weeks, like everybody was failing except for like three people. It was like, this is not for me, mama gonna kill me. So I shifted, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. The title of your podcast is called Focus on Greatness. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in order to get to your place of greatness, you have to recognize certain things that's gonna be barriers for you. So. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I wasn't a smart kid. It was, this is not my niche. Wow. Biology, physics, chemistry, that wasn't my deal, right? Mm -hmm. But I got into this ROTC and I realized telling people what to do, following orders, structure was the thing that, that I needed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. as I got in there, I excelled quickly into that. That kind of laid some of the foundation for me being uh, amenable to go mm -hmm. into the military. It wasn't my fallback. Yeah. It was a realization that I, I don't really want to do this college thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I signed up to go in the military. My mom and Rocky, they signed me up. I mean, they allowed me to sign. They had to sign on the dotted line when I was 17, mm -hmm. like right. January. So I already knew when I graduated high school that I was leaving. When I left, I, I realized that now I'm on my own. That nobody gets to quote unquote tell me what to do except for these cats in his green big old hats, right? But I'm still on my own. And, and I had to grow up quick because as soon as I went to the military, I entered the military in September 1990. By January, I was across the waters in Saudi Arabia for like- Wow, wow. I had to learn to grow up quick. And it's amazing. It's kind of like, it's amazing because I, um, not that I only have to grow up quick because I had to, be concerned about my life. Mm -hmm. I was thinking at those moments, some of those tough times, I could have stayed at the crib for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, mm -hmm. I was earning a decent paycheck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was good money for me, but I didn't understand the components of how that money was broken down. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what you what you gave to, to little Jay, right? I, mm -hmm. I didn't understand that because right. so all I knew was I'm overseas and I can't spend the money. Sometimes God has to put us into a place where he's giving us what we need. Mm -hmm. And as he gives us what we need, he's also protecting and shielding us because I can't just go Amazoning. I right. can't just go Walmart <laughs> gift card. I couldn't do all that stuff back then. Right, but right. When I came home, I was able to buy a car. Mm. I was able to buy a brand new car. Now, my wow. mom was me, while I was in high school, all I ever talked about was I want a car, I want a car, I want a car. And every time I looked for a car, I always looked for a used car because <laughs> I had no job. I had no steady income. Now I got it. God made a way. And, and I can't act like, and we're going to be real on your show. Yeah. I can't act like I did all the right things with my money. 
Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, it was a necessary thing that I had a vehicle. Let me tell you what I purchased. I purchased a 1991 Ford Festiva. Now, your 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 viewers may not realize that I'm six, two and a half, right? But I could probably pick up a Ford Festiva right now. Right. Days, right? So in that, um, my car payment was one hundred and eighty two dollars and seventy five cents a month. Mm. Mm. It was a stick shift. So I'm using the lowest grade of gas. All of these are economic factors that go into how you're living when you're living on your own that you have to pay attention to. I was living in the barracks, so I'm getting no extra money for eating, but I don't have to. So when you start looking at it, my pay wasn't great, but the benefits were. Folks got to understand that sometimes you're not going to get the paycheck, but you got to look at the benefits. And when you look at the benefit of a thing, the Mm -hmm. benefits may um, sometimes overweigh what you're receiving right now. But in the long term, oh, yeah, God is setting that stuff up. And sometimes we got to realize it. Because, again, it's about the transition. I didn't know how to save, but I had somebody in my life. Mm-hmm. My former supervisor, uh, Farrell Mungle, he said, listen, I need you to put this money away in this particular account. I just did what he told me to do. Right. And because mm-hmm. I did what he told me to do, I had some money saved up over a period of time. Now, listen, this Reverend Dr. Dunlap ain't going to act like I didn't go to the club. I sh- Listen, I did it back in the day. <laughs> I did it. I I had a lot of fun back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the money that I wasted having fun is money that could be sitting up in a Bitcoin account right now. Uh Oh, wow. Right. (laughs) I I realize that now. So hindsight is always 2020. Mm -hmm. But we have to be willing to to share things with people at their earlier stages. If I would have known some things at my earlier stage, even though what I've experienced makes me very effective at what we do with PRF, mm-hmm. but I could be in a better position. Our children could be in a much better position and not struggling to hurt for anything now, but I said a better position, right? Yeah. There's a scripture that, that, that Jesus says, he says it in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, um, I've come to give life and give life more abundant. Well, before you have the more abundant, you got to have abundant. And so I realized that yes, I was living good, but I wasn't living in the more abundance. Yeah. And, and that, that's why I go so hard with what I, I go to. So uh, I know I've gone deeper into But this whole thing with the military, mm-hmm. it set me up for some things that I never thought it was going to do. Yeah. Because even though I didn't want to go to college because we didn't have the money, because we didn't, my parents didn't put away for, for college, because they mm-hmm. couldn't afford to put away money for college, mm-hmm. because they weren't knowledge about uh, the college 529 plans, if they were around back then, mm-hmm. because those things didn't happen, it became on me. So guess what? I started going to college while I was in the military because they wow. say the only way you're going to get promoted to a sergeant is if you have college, because your point structure has 100 points that's needed for college. So here I am not wanting to go to college. And now nobody told me I had to go to college. It was if you want to get promoted. If you want your pay to increase, then you're going to need to go to college. It's hmm. as simple as that. So listen, I crushed it. While I had all of my fun, the mm-hmm. things that my mama's listening to this show, but the things that my mama would never know about, Right. I still got my college education. I'm not advocating for anything of sin. I'm just saying I had to have that instilled in me. And nobody put it in me. There was something that I wanted to get ahead. I wanted something better than where I was. And I knew I had to do certain things in order to get it. Yeah. Can I tell you what, why that really, that military thing really set me up? I am blessed to have four college degrees. Mm. I got my first degree at Virginia State University. I got it in four years at a time when we weren't doing online. I found every way to get college credits in every classroom I could be in, in four years, unheard of. That's not what happens back in the early nineties. Because I got an associate's degree, young people, that allowed me to get a master's degree because you don't just go straight to a master's. When I got the master's degree, that allowed me to become an adjunct professor, more money. 
because I was able to become an adjunct professor and have that master's degree, that placed me in a position where now I'm able to get in higher education. Because I went into higher education for a little while, or my first interest into higher education administration, mm -hmm. I was positioned in the right place to find out about another job that took care of us once I stepped out of that particular role. Because I stepped out of that role, quit my job, went to seminary full time, that is how I met the person who paved the way for me to get my doctorate of ministry degree. So there's these steps that we have to take and God does not tell you all the time, just like he didn't tell me. Right. He told me, I need you to just go, leave your family, your kindred, just roll out. Yeah. I didn't have all of that. And I wasn't walking with Christ throughout this whole period. So, so, so the military paid for three and a half degrees. I didn't have to get some of my own money to pay for anything except for this doctor of ministry degree. <laughs> so when I tell people, listen, forget what they talking about. I'm going off now, but forget what they talking about on Fox or MSNBC or what your brother's telling you. You mm -hmm. got to seize the opportunities from people that say, listen, you look at me, you respect me, you, you see me as a role model. Some lady said I was a mentor to her children. I didn't know it. They just see me doing the right thing. Right. So when I say, listen, I need you to do this. I just need you to do it because I know I had to figure it out, brother. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I yeah. promise you, when I say that it, it helped financially because if I had, if Nate had to pay for three degrees, I probably right. wouldn't have been able to afford it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so God had his hand on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I want to, I want to, I want to um, insert something one for the, those that are listening um, and those that are watching us, watching us at this point, I want, I want to be able to share something I think is very important for us to be able to hear. One of the things that you just mentioned was that there were steps. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the wonderful piece about why we're having this conversation is because sometimes you can be able to shorten the steps when you learn from somebody that has already stepped. They've already been on the journey. So they're telling you ways per se shortcuts that you don't have to go the long route or the longer route. So for those parents that are listening, those um, those that are listening that that might be, you know, auntie or uncle, or you know somebody, the reality is the, the major piece that I wanted to do in this conversation is to be able to draw this point, these points out, is mm -hmm. the reality is we all come from some form of background. Either you are in, you know, you have been blessed to be able to in a family that that had wealth and you were able to start off a certain type of way, or you were in a situation in, in, in a family where you didn't start off, you know, in you know, having everything laid out before you, but you had to work for it. no matter what, both moments still have opportunities with, that you have to take advantage of. So the, the reality, even in this, is and I'm mm -hmm. loving this, is is the transition of of you moving from Philadelphia to then being able by circumstance fall into a place where it learned and helped you to, to get the discipline that you needed from in high school to then catapult you or move you into a place into the military that would take you from your comfort zone but to be the middle place to get you to your destined place is, is something that I think all of us need to be able to realize. The reality of it is, is if his father would not have told him to work at 14, he might not have had the drive nor the push to continue to engage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He might not have had the moment of saying, I can't stay like this. Because let's just be honest. There's a lot of people that's still in Philadelphia. Can I share something with you, brother? Yes, sir. Um, please do. A brother that I grew up with, we were best friends, you know, all through high school, you know, mm -hmm. even to my military days. Um, this cat had it all. Now, now his, his father had passed away um, when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. he, he got a check for, you know, Social Security. And so he had nice things um, because he had that income that was coming in and it went really to him. 
but he also was our pitcher mm. in high school. He also was our our point guard in high school. He also was our quarterback. He had a lot of opportunities mm. to leave Philadelphia. He had opportunities to go on the West Coast and play ball. He had his choice of what type of ball he could have played. But he didn't want to leave home. I got to say this. He didn't want to leave home. <laughs> and so since he didn't want to leave home, he didn't have a bad life. Yeah. Right? He didn't have a bad life. It was just different. Yeah. And so when I looked at all of the things that I've been able to accomplish and all the places that I've been able to go, I think about all of the places that I could have been going to sit there and watch him play a game in a pro somewhere, right? That's right. my man. Right, yeah. Like, man, you robbed me of that <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> so I, I, I say that because one of the things about these steps, brother, is we cannot be scared to take the next step. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a course or part of the, one of the courses that we teach is called financial healing. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the lessons is called 10 Steps to Financial Healing. And, and uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'll share it. The reality <laughs> is there, there's, was, there's a, a, a biblical character that we use, mm-hmm. right? A story, biblical story. And, and there was an individual who had to leave one place mm-hmm. because what he needed was somewhere else. The truth of the matter is it wasn't his mama, his daddy. It was some other person. They said, hey, your healing is over there. Your healing is in Copper Code, Copper's Code, Texas. I know that you you in Philly, but your healing is over there. Yeah. As he set out for this journey, there was a series of obstacles and different twists and different turns before mm. he got to the place. You may know the story. I'm not going to say it for the Bible. <laughs> you may know. So when he got to that place, guess what happened, y'all? The person who he encounters was not the person who had his healing wrapped up in him. And he gets upset right? because it wasn't within. That was another opportunity for him to just go back. But the beauty of that was he had some people around him. It was some people with him along the way on the journey. It was like, listen, as powerful of a man as you are, mm-hmm. you tripping about this? Right. <laughs> I don't right. see you more in battle. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff is in our minds. I had this conversation with somebody earlier. This stuff is in our minds a lot of times. It's the stuff that's painted. It's the stuff nowadays that's on social media. So if, if we listen to the wrong voice, then we can't get to the destination because it will cause us, and it has caused some of us, to say, you know what? That's not where I can be. I can't live outside of my own city. I got to yeah. stay here. Nobody needs you there. Right. Bro, go right. ahead and take the opportunity. And again, he didn't have a, a bad life, right? He had mm-hmm. a very, really great jobs, but I know that there was more there. So I don't want anybody to, to miss that part. Oh, don't let others be the ones that prevent you from taking the next step. Second. I remember when I was first looking at starting my podcast, one of the things that I was looking for was a cost efficient place that I can be able to do what I was dreaming and doing with Anchor. I found that I found a free platform that can be able to give me the tools to make sure that my podcast sound good from edits to music to different other things, variety of things that can be able to assist me to make sure that I had a professional sound podcast. But then also one of the things I found that I loved uh, when I started to use Anchor was they have various of different places that they are able to distribute my podcast from professional places like Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Now, with this, the thing that I'm I love to do is because I might not do it in my house or I might need to do it in my car. So I'm able to use record on my cell phone. I'm able to record on my tablet or even my computer. So for you to be able to do this as the podcaster, you need to make sure that you download the app to your phone, to your tablet. You can do it on an Android or on an Apple product. But also, if you want to be able to access it on your computer, you have to go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, anchor is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Welcome to the team. Don't let yourself, don't let your own thinking 
You ain't the devil. It's your own thinking because before something gets into your heart, it gets through your mind, it gets through your eyesight, it gets through the things that you see and you hear. So, yeah, um, I, yeah I, 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 I need somebody to hear that. I don't know who it is, brother, but I yeah. need somebody to hear that. Don't talk yourself out of some good opportunities. There's a lot of jobs right now that are open. And the truth is, you don't have to stay in that job for 50 years. But right now, there's a lot of good opportunities. But yeah. what I can tell you is, I can promise you this, a lot of those opportunities are not going to remain open. Yeah. And, and, and the beauty of this is, while they're there, oh, there's people that can get into jobs right now that you probably wouldn't have got into 13, 14 months ago. Right. You yeah. got a criminal record? There's some folk that need folk to do some stuff right now. And they're willing to say, you know, before where they were holding folks back, Oh yeah, we're we'll take everybody right now. Yeah. So see, I got a book called Seize Seize the Opportunity. Seize the opportunities because yes, that's sir. where greatness is. Greatness doesn't just fall in nobody's lap. You have to go out there and you have to get it, and you yeah. gotta have the right people around you on your team because yeah. that's what I had. I had a bunch of praying folks around me. Yeah. I had supportive family members that that didn't demonize me because. I was getting my education and right, in, right. in the books that didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing. I just kept on moving and, and I came back to him as doctor. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, what I want to do, um, at the, it, I want I really want to take a moment to. <sighs> it's so much I want to say, but I want I want to take the moment right here. For one, for those that want to get more information um, from Dr. Dunlap and from the Institute of People that he has that help people with their finance to help get them, um, the description and information is going to be in the description below. You can make sure that you gain that and get that information. Please go to his website, get the information, get the help and the need that you need to develop. One of the things that I want to make sure that I emphasize, not just in this, is this major piece is if you feel like, how can I say it? If you feel like you've missed the time, you're mm. too old to now begin. Mm. You've, you've, you haven't taken advantage of opportunities. You haven't had the moment you, you know, and you can look at even through this conversation, you're looking and seeing opportunities and moments that you probably missed it. I want I want you to hear this. Um, mm-hmm. He just shared some, a storyline about a man, which he didn't go deep into, um, about a man that literally had to go through a lot of different journeys just to get to his healing. Mm-hmm. And I do want to add this, and this is a side note: is I didn't know he had a, a segment called financial healing a part of his program. Just for the sake of saying that, I don't want nobody think they we set this whole thing up. No, I didn't know it at all. I promise you, I didn't. But there's another story about a man that was sitting in a specific place. He was sitting by a pool. We both know this storyline. He was sitting by a pool and he had been sitting there for a very long time. He he felt like he missed a lot of opportunities. He felt like he missed a lot of moments to get the healing that he needed. And it just took one conversation with a man that said, the thing that you're waiting to get into is not the thing that's going to heal you. But the thing that's going to heal you is you to get up now and start working. Mm. Now, now, I, I don't want you to wait for it. I need you to get up now. If you want the change that you say you actually want, if you're tired of being in the position financially that you are in, if you're tired of seeing family members in the posture and the position that you see them in, take the, this is your moment of saying, I got to get up and I got to move. I got to do something different. Now, if you're also the parent, I want you to hear it because we're going to deal with it. If you're also the parent that feels like I was in that posture and now you're listening to this conversation, you have another opportunity. Your opportunity is to change the ways of those behind you. 
Come on. This is the moment where we shift atmospheres. Now we're talking about greatness. We want to shift atmospheres. If you understood living the way I am living now is not feasible for my life, then it shouldn't be feasible for the ones you're raising. So let's give them the opportunity to be able to get whatever education they need, whatever, whatever information they need, whatever development they need so that they don't repeat the history that you've probably been living through. The reality is, um, the reality is, and I'm going to stop here. Ah, God is so much. The reality is, the reality is these type of conversations don't happen Majority of the time, these conversations don't happen because we don't know what to say. We don't know what to tell you. We don't know how to tell you how to heal it. And we're telling you today on this conversation, the way you heal it is get up and do something. I'm just, it's, it's a simple, it's not complex. I ain't asking you to get a 10 point bulletin and create. No, 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 no. Just do something different. Do something. You, just, for example, this is simple. And then I'm gonna let you say something, but this is simple. One of the things that me and my wife did, we started this probably a couple years back because we had gotten tired of seeing that we wasn't able to save money like we knew we could. Let's just be honest. We also started to really look at our spending mm -hmm. of how much money, not that we, not to your bills, not, no, how much money we blowing on, 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 you know, fast food restaurants, you know, on your yeah. snack, your snack fun, you know, like just all this extra stuff. We just really started realizing it. So this is what we did. Something simple. For the first three months of the year, for the first three months in the beginning of the year, we lock it down. Mm. No fast food, no extra spending. Only thing we're doing is taking care of the house and if an emergency come up. But other than that, we got everything we need mm -hmm. to take care of our day to day. And we're going to do that for the first three months. And then what we're going to do is that money that we normally was blowing. Mm -hmm. We're going to take that money and save it. <laughs> it ain't complex because the reality is you're blowing it anyway. So that means if you're blowing the money, you got it. <laughs> and we, and again, this is simple. I'm just, we're just, this is simple, big bro. This is simple. So if you got it, that means you can save it. And if you can save it, that means you can change the way you've been living. And that means you can change the future of those that's behind you. <clears throat> Go ahead, sir. Last time we was together, it was like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me hit on, on, on education. You said something very critical about education. Yes, sir. Um, I'm, I am one who does, who, who pushes away from this notion of financial literacy, mm -hmm. because what that implies is that you are financially illiterate. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that most people are not financially illiterate, mm -hmm. right? Most people know how to count. Most people know if they got more coming, those basics, we're beyond that. Mm -hmm. That's why what we do in our ministry is about stewardship. Stewardship education is the key. Mm -hmm. It's no longer about teaching people to save money. And, uh, yeah, that's important. We right. cover that. But it's about how do you understand that what you've been given is a portion of everything. Mm -hmm. You can be making a whole lot of money at your job. Yeah, You're not the only person that has the same type of job that you have and others make more than you. Some make less than you. You have a, excuse me, you have a nice house. I mm -hmm. have a nice We don't have the biggest houses in the country, right. in the city, in the world. So, so 
we have to show people that you get a portion. That's why we focus on stewardship more than we do finances. It's in there though. Yeah. But how you are a steward. And so what we have not done mm-hmm. throughout the church, the church doesn't even teach biblical stewardship. Right. Let me back that up, Nate. Come on. <laughs> Many churches do not teach on biblical stewardship. Yes, sir. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know this because of all of the biblical stewardship teaching that I've done and people are not literate mm-hmm. to that. So if you understand stewardship and how everything flows out of stewardship, when I teach, when we teach people on credit and debt, we're teaching them stewardship principles. When I teach mm-hmm. about planning and savings, we're teaching about stewardship principles. When we teach about legacy and inheritance, we're teaching about stewardship principles. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so for us, Church folk, pastors, elders, bishops, apostles, whatever your title is, if you cannot get it through your heads that what people need is stewardship education and not so that they are a benefit to your church, but so they're a benefit to the kingdom, then all of the me helping you find helping you to understand about your investments and helping you to understand about stock, all that's for not. Because that's not going to last. We have to teach people. That's why we do what we do. We have to teach people those things that are going to help them in every area of their life. Now, let me say something about families. Um, I'm reading a book right now called The Rise and Fall of Black Wall Street, The Seven key empowerment principles, Robin Walker. I've read a book on Black Wall Street before. I've seen, uh, if you will, some some documentaries, but there are some very profound principles that's there. And and, and I, I looked at how over the past week and leading up to it, there was a lot of conversation about Black Wall Street. But you know what I don't see? I don't see people walking the principles out that allowed a black Wall Street to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't listen. You can take the principles and we can take the principles and we can do great and mighty things in the kingdom. We could listen, we could take the principles and we can do I'm black. So for those who are listening, those can't see I'm a brother. I'm black. So we can do things in the black community. That couldn't be done necessarily in West Oakland, Philly, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. We have the resources at our disposal, but the question is: Are you going to utilize the resources? Or are you going to try to build your own kingdom? Yeah. Oh, but hold on. If you already built your kingdom, one of the hardest things to do is to tear down your own kingdom. Nobody wants to tear down their own kingdom. You've been you've been building this stuff up as your own kingdom for the last thirteen years, Dunlap. And now here come by somebody giving you the principles and you know it's of God, but now you got to break it down. But oh, hold on. Now that's going to affect your personal household. Yeah, I'm sorry. Because you should not have had it in the first place. It's a stewardship principle. I teach one of the principles we teach in stewardship is you can't manage what God didn't give you. That's one of the five principles we teach in stewardship. You can't manage what God didn't give you. How, why do I, why do we say that? Because people can get things all day long, but that doesn't mean that God gave it to them. If God gives it to you, then that means that God is also giving you the ability to be able to manage it. When God gave what he gave to Adam, he didn't give him the garden east of Eden and he could not hold it. Adam didn't get thrown out of the garden because he ain't know how to manage the doggone garden. It was a whole different story if you go back in the book of Genesis. So we have, God has created us with this ability. He's created us with the power to gain wealth, not riches, difference. But he's given us the power to gain wealth. Now watch this. I'm going to be quiet after this. The the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 13, verse Mm -hmm. 22. Some of us may have heard. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I'm getting to the family piece now. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I speak a lot about legacy and inheritance. That is super big for me. Yes, sir. Here's the reality. If you don't know about that, 
So that means you need to gain some information, gain some knowledge, gain some wisdom in order to be able to put those things in place for your family. Mm-hmm. Now, watch this. Most people don't know what the rest of the verse says, and I'm not going to call nobody out. <laughs> but the net, the rest of the verse says this. And and the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Hmm. That's the rest of the verse. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. if the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, same verse. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. seems like it's necessary and it seems like just the, even the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even mm-hmm. if you ain't got the whole revelation of this thing. Mm-hmm. That if the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous and the good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, then in order to leave an inheritance for his children's children, you have to have something to be able to leave. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't have what you need to be able to really leave to your children's children because the wealth is stored up for the right, for the, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, why is it stored up is the big question. Mm-hmm. Proverbs don't ask all those questions. But I do. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe, just maybe, and I believe this. I'm just throwing it out of this, this way. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe, the reason the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous is because the righteous is not ready to receive it. Listen, if you have a problem saving money, do you really believe that God is going to release the hundred thousand or the, the million dollar Columbia sweepstakes, whatever that thing is, into your hand? He may, but the right. likelihood of that is like, why would God do that? Right, right. So, so we have the ability to get things and God is like, listen, I'm ready to release to so many of us. I need you to get positioned. The truth of the matter is, and I'll be quite into this, for those of y'all who watch baseball or even basketball or even mm-hmm. football, if you're playing a sport like that, Mm-hmm. And, and you're on the, the 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 receiving end. You're waiting for the ball to get thrown to you, right? Wide receiver, catcher in a baseball game. And if you're standing in the wrong position and mm-hmm. the ball busts you in the face, then you can't be mad at the pitcher. You can't be mad at the quarterback. You can't be mad at the point guard that you got smacked in the face with the ball. Right. Everybody will tell you you need to have your hands in position to receive the ball. You can catch it with your hands. You can catch it with your face. What happens when you get hit with it it in your face? You got to come out the game because your nose is bloody. They're not going to let you play with a bloody nose. That's not the way the rules go. So it only makes sense that we get ourselves positioned. And we talked about this stuff last year, Hiram. We dealt with kingdom preparedness in April of last year. But a lot of folks are so looking to get back to a normal place mm-hmm. that was dysfunctional even before COVID-19. It was dysfunctional for people to be living, not being able to make the money that they need to be able to make to take care of themselves and their families. That was not, people were working, but that's yeah. dysfunction. We are yeah. too rich of a country and the believers, we are definitely too wealthy for folks yeah. to be going through what they're going through. Right. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> Got my back sweating over here because <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got you. I ain't got you all excited over there, Nate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll be I'll be messing high show all up. Just I just 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 be going. But hopefully he know how to bring it back though. He know how to bring it back. He good, he oh good. God! <laughs> all right. So so one of the things that I want to uh, make sure. We all understand is this this major big statement that um, Dr. Nate that you that you brought out stewardship. Mm-hmm. The reality of stewardship is this: stewardship is taking care of something that someone else gave you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. It's taking care of something that someone else gave you. Now, here's what makes stewardship more powerful. It's not only taking care of something that somebody else gave you, but it's learning how to increase what somebody else gave you. So when we have this conversation and he makes this statement that it's not that we are, it's not that we are illiterate when it comes to money. We just don't know how to steward well. Mm -hmm. The reality of what this says is 
We don't know how to take care of something that somebody else has given us. And we don't know how to increase what someone else has given us. There is a portion in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of my mentor's favorite scripture contexts that talks about these three gentlemen that were all given something based upon the portion of what they could handle. When they were given this thing, the person that gave it then went on a journey. When he came back, he asked them, what did they do with what they were given? Two of them said, I flipped it. I was able to put some things in, you know, put it in a market. I made some moves. I, I was able to increase it. One mm-hmm. of them said, I did nothing with it because I was afraid. I, I, I want to, I want to, he, his, his fear was because you're a taskmaster as my Lord, as my, you're, you're a ta- that was his fear. But the reality is there's so many people that you know, that I know that we have talked to that they're like the person that never did anything with it mm-hmm. because they were afraid. They were afraid to either lose it. They were afraid to be able to take the chance of saving it. They were afraid to go after change. They were afraid. And there's so many people that are listening. There's people that I know that are watching that you might be afraid. You you might not be the person that has been able to learn and how to flip it and make it and and increase what has been given unto you. You might be the person that says, look, I got it, but I'm just afraid of letting it go. So you hold it with a tight iron fist Mm. and you live life with a tight iron fist and you never increase it. And there's two people, I'm going to just say this, and we, we're going in, this is a very good conversation, so we're going to wrap this up in a minute, but there's two people with the tight iron fist. Now, we this is a, it's a sad scenario, but it's a scenario, it's reality. There's people that are actually making enough money to increase it. Mm-hmm. But because the mentality has not changed, you are making enough to increase but you're still living like you're like you have nothing. You still live like you're still in poverty. So you hold on to every single penny because you're afraid that if I let it go, that I might lose it. Mm. And so these is these are th- these categories of things. But what I also am talking to, or the person that we're also speaking to, and this is why I knew this conversation was going to be great. But the person that we're also communicating is the person that says, I actually do want to see how do I take my money to the next? Mm. I do want to actually increase it. I do want to really dive in and figure out and find out how to be able to develop this. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a book right now that I'm actually reading. We're going to wrap this up in a minute, but there's a book that I'm, I'm reading right now, and it's called uh, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. Mm. Um, a very good book I, 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 for anyone that is going into the context of wanting to learn about investing. I would recommend this book. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I know nothing about investment. But this book gets you to be in the place into the posture and the mindset of where you will be ready to invest. Okay, mm. hear, hear what I'm saying. It gets you ready to invest. One of the things that it says is these three statements. I'm a, these three words, and I'm I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. I promise you, Nate, I am. But these three words, it may, it says this: is you have to be these three things before we talk about investing. These three things: education, experience, mm. and excess cash. Mm. Before we dive into investing, he says these three things. I'm I'm saying it again for a reason. Education, experience, and excess cash. Okay, these are three things that you need to be prepared. Hear this word, to be prepared to invest. You need education, you need experience, and you need excess cash. So let me ask for those that are listening and those that are watching. Do you have education on how to steward your money well? Mm. Now, for those that might be listening and you say, you know what? I don't know anything about the Bible. 
guess what? There are places that teach you how to steward your money. One of the places is a gentleman that I actually have on right now. <laughs> and we can give education. Hear what I'm saying? Education. Experience. Experience is continually walking in this context of taking the chance of being able to learn what I need to develop my money. Doesn't mean let me throw it in the stock market because I feel excited. No, no, nor is it because this is the hottest thing to do. P please don't do that to yourself because you'll hurt yourself. It's taking the chance of moving it from out of your iron fist to actually placing it in something that might gain interest. I'm, I'm trying to make it as simple possible, simple as possible. And then excess cash. If you can get to a level of excess cash, that means, simply put, that means, and you know this just like I do, that means you have at least six months to a year worth of savings that could help take care of your household if anything happens, and you have enough excess cash from that point on that per se, I can take a chance. Mm. And it doesn't hurt my house. It doesn't hurt what we're doing. It doesn't hurt any of these things. Now, why am I saying these things? because we're talking to a broad form of audience mm -hmm. and we hit the body. So I want to hit the body and then I'm going to hit the rest of the, hit the rest of the congregation as we'll say it that way. <laughs> we hit the body. So I hit everybody else. The reality is here's the major struggle. The major struggle is in the body. I see cars. I see homes. I see flashing lights, but I don't know how you got it. Mm. In the world, I see cars. I see homes. I see flashing lights, but guess what? They take their phones and they show me how they got it. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people that's on saying, now there are some, don't get me wrong, there are some, we know this, there are some that say, I am a believer. Let me tell you and show you how to be financially ready for your life. But the majority of conversations, the majority of people that I have viewed and seen on YouTube and all other forms of sites, yeah. are people that say, I don't, I, I don't per se believe what you believe, but I can teach you how to get there. Now, why am I saying this? I'm not bashing on any side, but this is what I'm this is what I'm sharing. There is a statement in the scripture. We're talking about stewardship. We haven't left this context. There's a statement in scripture, and you know this, where there was a there was a steward that was in trouble. He made some moves to try to make sure that he was in a posture in a position that after he gets fired from his job because he didn't, he wasn't doing his job. After he, he he put himself in a posture in a position that when he gets fired, he'll have a place to stay. He'll mm -hmm. have somebody that can still be able to take care of him. Understand the time. We understand all of those things. At the end of all of his trickery and all the things that he did, the scripture calls him a good steward. <laughs> And then it makes this major statement. The children of darkness is wiser than the children of light. He's still talking about stewardship. He hasn't left the context of stewardship. What is he saying? There are principles that those that don't believe are living in. That people that say they believe ignore. The, the reality is, the reality is, if you're a believer or non-believer, principles work. God's principles work. There's a lot of people that are sowing into folks' lives <laughs> mm -hmm. because they understand the principle of giving works. They, they, it's, it's not difficult to un they understand the principles work. So when we're talking about this context of what we're dealing with in all of this, 
is I want y'all to hear me and hear this clearly. And then we're going to wrap this up. No, I said that probably about four or five times already, but I just want y'all to hear this. This is, is, is very and vitally important that we all understand the reason why I started with the conversation of wanting to learn his journey which I, 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 we had a great, this is a great conversation, Nate, real good. Um, but the reason why is because I needed us all to see we're all on the journey. There are lessons that you have learned on your journey that has placed you in the position that you're in today. There are opportunities on your journey that you had the choice to either go here or go there. We're all on a journey. You had a choice. Do I want to gain more and get this education so I can go up in rank, go up higher in life? Or do I just want to do the military thing? They can kiss. I got, I got room and board. They're going to they gonna give me some food to eat. This is at least this is better than where I was. Mm-hmm. Or let me continue to develop and grow. If you didn't hear anything else on this podcast today, I hope you hear these two major things. I want you to develop in your stewardship. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this again. I want you to develop in your stewardship. What does this mean? Take the time to see what do you have in your hands? Take the time to see, not only financially, I want you to look at this. Take the time to see what you have, your money, your family, your house, your cars. Take the time to see what do you have in your hands and then ask yourself, am I taking care of it well? And if you can truthfully say, no, I'm not, then let's develop it. And if you need assistance, if you need help, again, you can be able to reach out to Dr. Dunlap and his team because they will be able to help you to say, look, this is what you got. Let me help you develop that. Let me help you show, let me help them help you to see or show you how to steward that well. So, Thank you again, sir. Yes. Uh, as always, we could probably go on and on and on um, because this conversation is getting better and better as it goes on and uh, and going deeper and deeper. But that's really what I want. I really want people to understand that this is not finance is not really difficult. The hardest part of finance is just changing your mindset. 